Today's Plugged In podcast is sponsored by Volvo Cars Canada. The Volvo XC40 Recharge is Volvo's first pure electric SUV. It's a powerful drive with no tailpipe emissions featuring more than 400 horsepower and up to 335 kilometers on a single charge. And the integrated Google OS will always keep you fully connected, even without your phone. It truly is an SUV designed for the city and the rest of the planet. Visit volvocars.ca to learn more. Welcome to the latest episode of Plugged In, a post-media podcast taking you down Canada's electric vehicle highway. I'm your host, Andrew McCready. In last week's episode with British Columbia Institute of Technology Automotive Department head Mubashir Faruqi, towards the end of the interview, he touched upon the issue of the increasing difficulty of getting access to automaker information, particularly when it comes to electric vehicle technology. We ran out of time to discuss in much detail this critical issue in the evolving electric vehicle landscape, the so-called right to repair. So this week, we're dedicating the entire episode to this very important subject. My guest is Lou Trottier, who as the owner-operator of All About Imports in Mississauga, Ontario, deals with this issue almost daily. He's also written about the subject in his Globe Drive column, Lou's Garage. Thanks very much for joining us today, Lou. Hello, how are you today? I'm very well, and you? I'm fantastic. Let's jump right in. This whole concept of right to repair. Can you give us a, a, a definition of that or explain to our listeners what that is? Well, right to repair is access to manufacture information, whether it be a cell phone, whether it be a car, or a farm implement, or a, a household appliance. When you go to repair that piece of equipment, the question is, where can you get the information from the manufacturer on how to repair it? And manufacturers don't want to release that information. They don't want to release the wiring diagrams and the repair procedures. They would, it gives them a, you know, a collective sort of uh, ability to keep their repairs in house as opposed to allowing uh, independence like me to be able to repair vehicles and repair cell phones and all that kind of thing. But historically, um, it would seem, I mean, from your business and imports, you've had access to this information. I mean, if you had a 1978 Alfa Romeo in the shop, you'd be able to find that information. Yes, yes. Typically, um, before the real technology boom, um, information was very readily available. And then as cars and vehicles, you know, my own perspective with, with cars is as they have become more uh, complex, it is getting the informa accurate information, manufacturer information that has become increasingly difficult over the years to the point of inaccessibility almost. Not to be paranoid or, or big brotherish, but I mean, is it is it a function of these automakers wanting to keep this secret or is it simply the technology is so, I want to say advanced that the, the information just doesn't trickle down to shops like yours? It's just, it, There's no real public forum for it. Well, both points are correct. There is a certain percentage of it that is just keeping the repairs in-house and not allowing anybody else to be able to uh, repair their items, thereby controlling the price point of the repairs. Uh, and there's also just accessing information because they 
the repair procedures can be so complex that a lot of the manufacturers don't feel that anybody that is not trained on the on the repair procedure will be able to do it adequately. So a recent example for you, I mean, we'll get to EVs in a, in a second after all this podcast is about EVs, but in terms of automotive, you had an instant recently with it with an Audi vehicle where um, not, a, I mean, just a gas engine vehicle, Audi, but you had an issue where there was information that you couldn't access. Can you tell us about that? The braking system on the Audis are all controlled by modulators and uh, control modules. And we had an Audi, a newer one, it was a 2018 SQ5, come in with a, a parking brake failure. We had to change the main module, uh, that control, the brain, the controller. When we went to program it, so when we are replacing the part, the physical replacement of the part is one procedure. Uh, the second re- procedure is mating it to the main computer. So there's all kinds of, uh, you know, the main PCM, and then there's all the sub-modules. And the problem we ran into was getting the main computer, the main PCM, to recognize that we had just replaced this part. And we purchased tools that are supposed to be able to do this. So, you know, it's a it's an interface, a computer interface that we go in, we type in a serial number of the unit, uh, we send it to the main PCM, and it's supposed to take it. In the case of this newer vehicle, it would not accept it. The the box that we needed to access was grayed out, and there was no ability for our tool to do it. So we tried a couple different tools, and then I took it to a specialty electronics shop that where the owner of the shop specializes 100% in just programming vehicles, and he even he couldn't do it. And his software that was he was using, he guaranteed me he'd be able to do it, and then I ended up having to take the vehicle to the dealer simply because the the tool that I required the access through the the portal was was just simply if it wasn't a dealer tool it wasn't going to allow it to happen so would that be would Mercedes have a different tool than an Audi I mean it sounds like it's getting you know it's getting a lot more complicated when it comes to these systems or or are these tools more universal the tools that I use are universal. The tools that the dealers have are built specifically for their product line. We purchase tools that are meant to do a lot of different models, but don't do it well. Uh, but just the newer stuff, it's just every year that a newer vehicle comes out, it just seems to have more uh, loopholes and more hurdles to to attempt to do, to do the same pr- procedure, right? I mean, the Audi dealer that you went to, I mean, were they forthcoming with this information or or that would seem to me that they'd say, oh, send the car over here. Our service guys will look after it. Well, that's always the answer. It's so uh, just bring the car to us. We'll we'll change the unit. We'll 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 do X, Y, Z and, you know, fix the car for you. And we had already fixed the car physically. Uh, we couldn't do it electronically. They did the Audi dealer. You know, you develop relationships over the years and they do tend to come to save you at times and in this particular case they they saved me so obviously as you mentioned with this increased technology evs are the poster child for that what's the chatter in your in your peer group about these kind of things well unless you become a specialist and and work specifically on evs the the threshold of entry into that world is probably Unless you, as a business owner, you, you, you invest heavily into being able to send your technicians out for third-party training to be able to work on them, it, 
presents an, a, a situation where it's probably not worth it unless you are heavily, unless it's your, your thing. And, and the general repair shop, I don't see doing anything more than tires and brakes and, and suspension components on EVs. And I, and I probably, to be perfectly honest, will follow suit with that. Like I, it's, I'm at that point in my career where, uh, even my own personal age, I, I'm like, well, that's a whole, you know, whole other, you know, big bite of an apple that I have to learn and shifting the business to be able to do that probably won't. I'll probably just do general servicing on them simply because that threshold, that barrier of entry is so high. It, it would seem there's, I mean, I won't say an existential threat to the, the shops like yours. There's going to be gas cars around for decades still. So, I mean, and, and especially I think more the specialized people um, or more EVs, the, the guys and, and girls who love their old cars will hang on to them even more and want them serviced more. So it would seem to me you're, you're, business plan is solid. Um, but, you know, it raises the issue of will there even be EV shops outside of dealerships? You know, in terms of, as you say, it's a, it's a, it's an investment in capital. And, but it's also a question, is the information going to be available? Is, is Tesla, is Nissan, Audi, are they going to release this information? I mean, is that a, a battle for the courts or, or where's that headed? Well, on the general front, it, specifically with EVs, it, it's the Right to Repair Act has, you know, has failed in Ontario anyway, so a few years ago. Uh, the legislative, a private member legislation that was attempted to get passed pa failed a few years ago. And I know somebody else is attempting to do uh, a federalized, you know, I don't know exactly what it was, but I just saw the rumors of that happening. Yes, the the information, unless something drastically changes in in the leg legislation, no, it's not going to be available. That's it's as simple as that, right? Is that a problem? I mean, is that I mean, obviously philosophically, it it might be a problem, but I mean, what what are the repercussions of that? I guess dealerships will. I mean, this was one of the things when EVs came on, and the fact you don't service them much, they don't have oil changes, um, they don't have mufflers. I kind of thought, wow, I mean, the, you know, you look at a lot of these big dealer groups and 60, 70 percent of their business isn't selling cars, it's servicing them. But it seems like this maybe is the answer for their survival, simply that if you're going to buy a Nissan Leaf, you're going to have to take it to your Nissan dealer to get it serviced even 10 years from now. And I, I believe that's there's a reasonable amount of truth in that statement. And, you know, whether, you know, how 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 close we are to that i don't know but there's definitely you're going to see a decrease in in independent shops that are are even interested in in working on that uh that despite the fact that the world is switching to ev ev units it's it's going to be a situation where it's not going to be you're not going to have a lot of choices like you have right now it'll be the dealer in one shop you know an hour and a half away from you and i can't help but think that it's almost like the the the, the thing we're facing with the internet in that it came around 25 years ago governments and legislators were kind of asleep at the switch they maybe they didn't understand it they didn't really think it was a threat and then suddenly they wake up and they realize that there's a big regulation problem with this um but by then, you know, it's the proverbial horses have left the barn. Um, do you sense the same kind of thing like this? Like, as you say, there's obviously people aware of this if legislatures at the provincial and federal level are talking about it. But is there just not political? Is it just not a sexy subject? Is it just kind of obscure? Is it just the fact that we're too close to it right now? And it, it's only in 10 years we'll go, wow, why didn't we fix that 10 years ago? 
Well, the rights of the consumer versus the rights of the, you know, the big businesses, it's as a politician, I would imagine there's a, there's a, a take care of your constituents versus take care of the, you know, inviting big business to your the area. Lawyers. Exactly. So it's, it's help one hurt the other. And I, I just don't know the balance and you know, not being a politician, I can't understand that balance, but it seems to me that there's a conflict of interest versus, you know, with regard to, you know, taking care of the, the end user versus taking care of the manufacturer. And, 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 you know, if it's, if it's a provincially re- regulated item, then for example, uh, if Ontario had the right to repair act, well, then would manufacturers want to leave Ontario? You know, I, I don't know if that's exactly the right analogy, but that kind of pops into my mind. Yeah, I think that, you know, in, in light of the recent kind of announcements in Ontario in particular, but across Canada in terms of the EV infrastructure investment by automakers, as you say, politicians probably aren't in the mind and the mood to upset that. Yeah. So is, is I mean, I don't know if this is urban myth or, or automotive myth, myth, but I always heard that, that Rolls-Royce or something, if you ever kind of went into the engine bay of a Rolls-Royce, the, the warranty would be off. I don't know if that was true, but I, I don't believe that. No. Okay. No. I mean, the thing that I kind of think of when I think of right to repair is the Apple phones and jailbreaking them, right? As soon as you unlock them, everything, all bets are off. Your Apple, Apple care is, is defaulted. You know, don't bring it back to us because we're not going to fix it. It's your problem now. Well, if we pick on Audi again, and, and not that I mean to pick on Audi, the Audi computers, when you know, you know, segwaying briefly into tuning a, a, a you know an engine, a turbocharged engine. If you tune your car, which is the reprogramming of the computer, and there are lots of independent you know performance shops that do that. That you know, you take your car to them. They um, offer a you know five or six hundred dollar service to go in there. You know, remap the computer so that it push out puts out more power. If you take that car to the dealer they will, when they scan that vehicle, they will realize it's been tampered with and they will void all further engine and drivetrain warranties on the vehicle. So it's already happening. So I guess it's one of those things that you do after the warranties have all run out. Well, you know, the next point is, is a lot of times manufacturers offer extended warranties like um, freebie repairs, you know, like if they extend the warranty up to 160,000 on kilometers on an engine and you've had it tuned at 120,000 kilometers, well, that extended warranty is also voided. So, so getting back to the, 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 the Ontario and the, and the federal idea, what, what's happening in other countries in the automotive world when it comes to right to repair? You, uh, I mean, are there other ones being more aggressive with this? Well, in the U.S., I believe Massachusetts is the only state that actually has the Right to Repair Act in force. And I don't believe that there's any other state that actually you know, past any kind of legislation with regard to right to repair. And as far as the rest of the world, I think it's pretty much everybody's sitting in the same boat. I, I don't know. I just can't kind of think that in 10 years, we'll all be scratching our heads going, you know, what, what's, what's become of my local, you know, my local shop. I can't take my EV down there. Well, uh, that's a realistic, uh, that's a realistic thought. You know, look, talking about these semi-autonomous systems and things like when you mentioned just, just as something as easy as a module for a, uh, for the braking system, I mean, the, the complexity of these things is getting so much that it, it just seems that, that it's going to have to be specialized shops that work or specialized dealers that work on these things. It, it, I, I don't see a, another way around it. Well, it's becoming the point where when we change a, a module, you know, the, the actual service on the vehicle takes an hour, an hour and a half. 
and then you spend two to three hours trying to program it. So yeah, it, it's becoming a very uh, loss when you when you're trying to factor in the time to do this. And 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 while we are an import sort of specialty shop, it's it's even diff, really difficult for us. And I believe the day of the generalist, like the general repair shop, is coming to an end. I, I don't believe that you can be a in the next ten to fifteen years. I don't believe that you can be a general repair shop. Um, you know, and, and prosper. That's, that's a big deal, isn't it? I mean, when you look at the ecosystem of, of, of repair shops and the, and the training systems and things, that's a, that's a big chunk of our, of our economy. Yeah. I, I believe you'll see specialists in, in regard to brakes and tires and, you know, basic suspension stuff that hard parts, stuff that isn't electronics. I believe that'll sort of kind of pick up the slack but but I believe general repair shops as the EV uh, generations come marching in, I believe the general general repair shop is is going to disappear. Uh, but there'll always be guys with uh, old nine elevens that'll be looking for guys like you. Oh yeah. <laughs> and if anything, it becomes even more specialized. I kind of made the analogy last week of a of a you know watchmakers used to be on every corner fifty years ago, right? Because you'd keep your watch, you wouldn't just dispose of it, you'd you'd get it fixed. Um, and now in Vancouver here, there's probably like two or three people that, that are really servicing these watches. Well, and it's like the shoemaker, right? Like the, and the, and the, the seamstress and all of these, uh, these businesses that are slowly disappearing. Is there an issue with, um, I mean, I know one of the things when it comes to electronics is this idea of, of landfills filling up with electronics because it's a lot of companies encourage you just to toss something out and buy another one as opposed to getting it fixed. Oh yeah. Our, our landfills are, our landfills are filled with electronics. So, I mean, can we see the day where that could be coming with EVs where they'll just go, ah, you know, we'll just, uh, it, it's too complex. Let's just trade that one in and we'll give you a shiny new one. I believe, you know, in my, in my futuristic thought process, I believe that we're going to move into a world where the car in itself is going to be modular and the day of the mechanic or me uh, is, is, you know, I don't believe there's going to be a mechanic in 30 years. I believe you're going to take your electric car into a shop and the whole front end is going to get unbolted and a new one's going to get bolted on. And, you know, and it's that front end that that drivetrain is going to get remanufactured somewhere and, and be sold as a remanufactured unit. And it, the, the, the just unbolt and replace is going to be, you know, much more uh, relevant than what we've got right now. Yeah. Is that necessarily a bad thing? I mean, obviously, this is your business. I mean, you sound uh, so many people that, that are in this industry and been in it for a long time get seem very, very upset and resentful about EVs or about the changes that are coming. You sound, I won't say resigned to it. You just kind of think this is progress or this is just how change happens. It, it's, you know, you know, getting upset about something I have no control over is sort of you know, a waste of time, uh, for my own personal thought process, uh, I'm starting to work on classic cars. And one of the things, one of the projects in the shop right now is we're actually converting a car to 100% EV because I believe there's a market coming for classic cars. Nobody's going to convert a, you know, an econo box, but if you've got your old Porsche or your old something like that, and, and, you know, it is becoming a relevant sort of subject. And, and I'm looking at that saying, well, here's my angle. And that's a technology. I mean, that's something that interests you. It does to the point where I see it as a potential business path. Uh, and as, as things become more stringent and to be, as it becomes more difficult to access information, at least I have something that interests me and, you know, can be potentially a revenue stream. So just the last question here. So, you know, obviously at one point in your life, you were a young, 
budding mechanic or, or a student of mechanics? I mean, what would you say to someone now who's 18, 19 and, and has a huge interest in automobiles and wants to be in that world um, fixing them? What's what would be your younger? What would you tell your younger self? I would be be an expert as early as you can as electronics. That's that's just the way it is. And, and technicians nowadays, the the strongest ones are the ones that have a really good grasp of how an electrical circuit works. The the days of the parts replacers, just bang them in, bang them out, is 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 really diminishing. So if you don't have the opportunity to to really dig in and understand what is happening on an electronic level, you're, you're going to struggle. That's Lou Trottier, owner-operator of All About Imports in Mississauga, Ontario. Thank you. Well, if you had any doubts that electric vehicles weren't disruptors, that discussion should erase them. It is conceivable that in a few decades, the neighborhood mechanic shop will be a thing of the past. Although, as Lou pointed out, specialty shops focused on tires, brakes, suspension systems, and very general repairs will still be around. Good advice from Lou to the next generation of mechanics to specialize and to embrace advanced technologies. That's it for this episode. Much thanks to my guest, Lou Trottier, producer extraordinaire Darm McWana, and you for joining me on another electrifying journey down the EV highway. We always welcome your comments and criticisms via email at pluggedin at postmedia.com. For your dose of all things automotive, be sure to check out driving.ca, where you'll find the best in breaking news, videos, and reviews. Check out the site's comparison tool for head-to-head shopping, and sign up for the Blind Spot newsletter, delivered to your inbox every Saturday morning and featuring a roundup of the past week's most important and most entertaining automotive news. Speaking of newsletters, check out the new FP Energy newsletter, which arrives in your inbox each Wednesday and features exceptional coverage of Canada's energy sector, including renewables and electric vehicles. Subscribe for free at financialpost.com slash newsletters. And be sure to subscribe to Plugged In wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. That way you'll never miss an episode, and you'll also be able to listen to all the episodes from seasons one, two, and three.